All white folks have a choice. They can either continue to be white folks or they can or they can move towards being a human being that happens to be white. For fuck's sake, a theater podcast, aka 4FS Podcast. Episode 4. Say the words. Alright. Here we go. Hello and welcome back everyone. We are on the fourth episode of For Fuck's Sake, a theater podcast, aka 4FS Podcast. I hope you're following us, liking us, subscribing to us. Make sure you get up on that Instagram and all that stuff that you kids are into these days. I'm Aaron Salazar, a New York City theater award-winning director and producer, and I am feeling a little uh, something because it is the end of the line for our first premiere guest host, Jason VC. everyone. Let's hear it for Jason. Look, he's making a sad face. Uh, this has been such a gift. So first of all, I don't even feel like I'm going to give you a bio about him because you need to go back. There are three episodes of pure gold that this is the first one you're tuning into, but I also don't want to do him a disservice. Jason, uh, right now is currently pull it together on little voice. Um, yes, yes, he is on little voice. Sarah show. I'm going to say Sarah, like Sarah, her and I, Sarah Borellis, Sarah Borellis, as if her and I Barrella. go to, we go to brunch some days. Um, and um, I feel like she'd be a great brunch person, though, right? She'd be, like, the best. Um, Listen, I'm, I'll tell you this. Her, you know, she's... There are people on the planet We are kind of like, I wonder what they're like. Or do you have this idea of what they're like? She's exactly what you think she's going to be like. Just super chill. Like, great energy. Like, I bet you she'd, like, be great at brunch. Maybe she, you know... Maybe she smokes a little weed every now and again, or maybe like every day, but just enough, like a micro dose. Like, exactly. you know, she's like, she, she is what she, she seems like. Which is yeah. Cool. And also, I mean, she just channels. That's what's happening with her. She's the she real deal. And she is channeling, which is why she can write songs that are so emotional and they're not mm-hmm. sappy. I have not worked with her intensely, but she has the same vibe that, um, Hugh Jackman has and Brandy has when mm-hmm. I encountered them when they were all doing their Broadway shows. Partly because, especially Sarah and um, and uh, Hugh have strong musical theater backgrounds or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they're just so grateful to be in the number and be a part of the community, even if it's for a short time. I just love that when you have people who are not from our world typically, even though Hugh Jackman is. Yes. Um, from our world typically, when they come in and they're they don't isolate themselves because they're subconscious. They lean in. They're like, oh, my God, I'm so happy to be able to play in the game. They just like are having the best time and are honored to be on a stage with the, the, that level of performers. I love that. Like, uh, even if, And even if they suck, which none of them actually have. But even no. if they suck, I don't care as long as I'm kind of like, they're having the time of their goddamn life. I love that. I absolutely, love that. absolutely, and that that authenticity you can't you can't make it up. So, I mean, hello, mm-hmm. the the show's begun. So he's in Little Voice. Okay. He he did the Lion King, which we talked about. Which you've got to go back and listen to that because that shit is gold. I don't know how many how you're getting feedback on that, Jason. And you're also about to be in Dash and Lily on Netflix. Um, yes. But wait, but wait, hold on. Good morning, class. If you love a strange loop, this fucking 
artist was in that Pulitzer Prize winning production of Strange Loop by Michael R. Jackson. And he pours his heart out in episode three about that. You need to go back and get into it. One of your friends, Tommy, Tommy literally said he wishes he had had this stuff, this podcast available when he was younger because it were kind of demystifying a lot of things, which is interesting because the whole goal of this, everyone is to be able to hang out with our guests for the month that I've, I've had Jason here and to really be able to chit chat and unpack stuff. So today let's just be real today. We're going to geeky. This is the final episode. Jason and I already have a whole bunch of extra material. We're going to, uh, present to all of you uh when the time comes there'll be a little little paywall to do that but in the meantime today we're just gonna actually try to catch up on the shit we tried to talk about in other episodes but ran out of time (laughs) even though these have been long uh episodes so jason right now you are back in the city so nice it was named twice yes yes i'm back in the city for a very short period of time to um go film a project mm-hmm. which is super fun and unexpected and then i'm heading back out to colorado with the goal of being back in new york full z's full time z's september that's the goal assuming oh, that there's no sort of spike which i don't which i feel like if there were a spike we'd be feeling it or it would be happening right now because of during pride and that like i felt that there might be one and if there was a spike i'm gonna be like well i'm not gonna see y'all for another few months now. well it's interesting you should say that because we've been talking about this a lot i hope the spike is avoided in new york because we have been for the most part behaving at least from what i can see in manhattan which is where i live but you know the word on the street from everyone else in 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 all the the boroughs is that everyone is is behaving as someone who's been out of the city since February and coming from Colorado where it is also Trump town. Um, it's a bit of a myth over there, isn't it? Contrary, contrary to popular belief. I was pleasantly surprised, even though the plane, everyone was wearing masks on the plane. That was a little bit much for me, but the subway, I've been in the subway twice since being back since Monday, a to and from situation. And it was a nerve wracking because I haven't been around that many people too in a long time. People mm-hmm. have to understand. But I'm trying to think of any visual where I've seen people not wearing masks unless they are eating or like having, you know, a contemporary situation. And I was kind of just like, okay, like at the very least, like the, the, the number of people that I'm around is a little like, ooh, but everyone's wearing masks. There are very few people who aren't, mm-hmm. which, is, which I think is pretty fantastic given the amount of people that are in a con- there's in such a small area that is new york city yes one million percent and also new yorkers the thing i love about our spirit is we are survivors first mm-hmm. and foremost right and so i think listen we're already paying too much rent it's already hard mm-hmm. as fuck to live here so if you're mm-hmm. like okay if the thing i have to do to stay alive is put on this goddamn okay fine and i'll make it fashion Look, I'll just make it work. It is what it is. It's just one more, one more motherfucking thing about this city that's a little harder than other places, and I'm just gonna fucking do it. Because well, I also think we're scary. I also think we we scare each other into submission. Because oh yeah, you know, in Colorado, I've seen one person, you know, try to call someone out for not following instructions, and there, you know, that one person ends up getting attacked by five or six red hatters. Whereas here, oh yeah, people will back you up. The whole train car is going to be like, no, you've got to go, sir. 
Yeah, exactly. Now on your own accord, or someone's going to remove you from this, from this, from this. One million percent, and that's truly the spirit of fucking New York City. It is like no, 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 absolutely not. It's like if you've been on the train, anyone here who lives in the city, and someone tries to hold that fucking door during normal rush hour, the entire train Mm -hmm. will eat you alive. You know, even the conductor will be like, release the door. It's just the nature of the city that we have that group mentality of when we all decide something, we all do it. Which is interesting because I fell down a TikTok spiral of watching um, all this footage of all these people who losing their minds about the masks. And maybe this is something to unpack. But everyone is like, it's like for the first time ever white people mm-hmm. are hearing the word no and you can't mm-hmm. and they're so conditioned to never know what it feels like to have anything ever not work for them mm-hmm. that they are losing their fucking minds it's like a child that's never been disciplined or as i like to lovingly say this is what happens when you don't hit your kid even once just mm-hmm. so they yeah. know Mm-hmm. That you cannot it. behave that way my fucking uncle steve who tragically passed away a couple years ago mm-hmm. he taught me the biggest lesson in my life as a young man i was being crazy i was a very <laughs> rambunctious kid i was mm-hmm. uh, a lot of energy surprise surprise and i was i'll never forget i was slamming the door in my grandmother's <laughs> i was so mad i was like mad, mad, mad. i was like boom Boom. And I was like slamming the door, throwing a fit because like, they were like, no, you're like timeout or I don't, I don't remember the, yeah, some. but I do remember even thinking in my little, like six-year-old brain or five-year-old brain, I don't know. I was young that I was being a bit much. I even had, I had an awareness of it. I sort of like floated mm-hmm. out of my body and I can see the situation with my little bowl cut, which is actually, I think the picture of me. It's yeah, adorable. Was, yes. So I'm like slamming the door, looking like a kid in stranger, stranger things. Just, and my uncle Steve came and slammed open the door, which made me sort of fly, opened it up, and then grabbed me. And he's like, You cannot act like this. And he like held my little arms and looked me in the face. He's like, Do you understand me? Stop it right now. And my uncle Steve, in that moment, taught me that you cannot be a fucking asshole. You can't be an asshole. Or, 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 here's the thing, or you can, but you're going to run into someone that's you're going to meet your match one day. And they're going exactly. to show you. They're exactly. You. The, thing, the, the, the thing is, I think what's happening with, with, with um, white folks now is that, because, you know, they've been told no before, but what's happening is particularly now, especially in the last four years, is that people of color or others are telling them no. And what's happening is that other white folks who are in charge are backing up those people of color, those others, and saying no, no fellow white person. And here's the thing: I also believe this, this, is, the, this is the thing I tell, people, <laughs> I tell white people all the time. It's like because you have to understand something about your people, white people. At some point in time, brethren is not going to keep y'all connected if you fucking with another white person's money. Mm-hmm. So a white person will turn their back on a white person if the white dollars are being affected. It might be also out of genuine allyship, mm-hmm. but usually, if you're a white person and you fuck with another white person's money, that white person is going to be like, "Oh no, 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 that's the problem." So what's happening is, what's happening is they're they're saying whatever they're used to saying, and then when their white job sees that clip of them on Instagram or on CNN, 
and you're a lawyer, that that white partner says, oh, no, 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 you can't, you can't represent me and my white dollars. You've got to no. go fellow white man. You got to go fellow white lady. That's what's happening. They're, they're freaking out because they're realizing that in the name of the dollar or branding or actual trying to be on the right side of history and humanity, that their fellow white person that's usually protected them is going to be like, I don't know if I can really sit with you anymore. Oh my God. You know that is the it's actual like, insight. And, and it should be said to anyone listening to this right now, this isn't all white people. We know that. No. But, you know, sadly... It seems to be sadly. most right now. I mean, I it, mean, I mean, sadly, uh, no, actually, the, the I don't know. Is that, is that the right thing? Is is most? But the the problem is, is that there's enough people that it's 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 terrifying to think that we're really gonna have to fight for this. I don't. This, I don't. This I don't think it's most. I don't think it's most. I think it's all. And and I think it's all in the sense when I say all white folks, I'm not saying all white folks are bad. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that all. First of all, everyone on the planet has been effect, has been affected by white supremacy. There is no such thing as human being who has not been indoctrinated by white supremacy. It's not, it's just not a thing. It's, it's, it's a fact. Everyone on, an, on, on different levels has been affected by white supremacy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in negative and positive ways, depending on how you fare, literally how you fare, right? Damn. So if you're actually white, there is no such thing as you not being in some way, shape, or form a white supremacist from, from if it's a dial from, from one to 10. Some of y'all are one, some of y'all, and now if you're a one, it's very easy to break away. Once you start getting to the four, five, six, seven, eight area, because the four, five, six, seven, eight area is the area that allows you to, to truly believe that you are better, better off than you actually are. Nine, eight, nine, ten is like KKK, white supremacy, all that stuff. They let us know exactly where they're at. Most white folks fall between four, five, six, seven. It's just, it's just what it is. So mm. all white people have work to do. Now, some of them have already done the work and they continue to do the work and are slowly breaking away at their shell, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I say, Jason D.C., when I say all white people, I mean, and I'm looking you in your face and I'm saying all white folks have a choice. They can either continue to be white folks or they can, or they can move work towards being a human being that happens to be white. The latter is the better category. That's not for discussion. If you white, there is no such thing as you not having work to do. Even Jane Elliott will tell you that. And she's white as hell and has been on the movement for a long time. So I'm saying it. If you're white and you're listening to this, I am talking about you or someone that you know. But that can, we can move away from that. Yep. If, if you want to do the work, you know, there's just no such thing. And it's been proven to me time and time again. White people have especially been spiraling because everything about their existence is being challenged. The, the the folks who are the crazy, 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 crazy white folks, and the folks who are like our friends and our lovers or or our, you know our confidants, they're all spiraling because their world is being shattered and their world is being challenged because the no's that they're being told are being backed up mm-hmm. and enforced. It's like. This kind of applies, but I think about it this way. Like, when someone's rude or nasty to me, specifically in New York, because, you know, in New York, you know, Mm -hmm. it can be a fleeting moment. When someone's rude or nasty to me, Jason B.C., I'm never upset that they're rude or nasty because I don't know what day they're, I don't know what's going on in their life. Yes. Right? What makes me upset 
is that they're rude or nasty with the assumption that I'm not going to advocate and stand up for myself. You can be rude all you want, but you need to expect when you, if you hit someone verbally, emotionally, physically, you should always expect there's a chance that you might get hit back. And a lot of these white folks are out here walking around thinking that no one's going to say anything. That's the problem. You're sitting out here thinking that this is 1965 or 1873. You know, I'm not some black queen with no pride, bitch. Hello. <laughs> Good morning, class. And within that, I, I, when I was watching these videos, which obviously, you know, listen, people acting crazy before uh, mm -hmm. masks was always entertaining. Mm -hmm. uh, I hate to say that, but it is. But I think you're 100% correct because I noticed the people they're going the fuck off on is they don't know how to handle a young Gen Z white girl with her mask on in a shoe store being like, ma'am, you, no, you have to put on a mask. And they then don't. her manager behind her being like, ma'am, you have to put on a mask. Mm -hmm. And so that mm -hmm. literally led that one woman, you saw the clip, to throw boxes mm -hmm. at the young lady. And yeah. I, I was throwing, like, wow. throwing throwing boxes throwing boxes at young people making minimum wage i mean girl like and this is and this and this is the thing too is that like i think i think part of the reason why we see so many where, where it seems to be so many white women that are doing this is because the world has been trained to also make sure that white women are okay and when the world says i mean me white women you can be fine it sends them into a tizzy one of my favorite types of videos because you know i'm not one of those people that you know I don't condone violence. I'm not saying that, like, I want to just walk around seeing people fight. But I'm definitely not going to condemn someone for whooping someone's ass when, when that other person comes out of pocket. I, one of my favorite videos or video categories, I love watching straight <laughs> men call someone gay a faggot or someone queer a faggot and getting their ass mollywopped. That's one of my favorites. Oh, my God. It's so gratifying. It's like, so I'm like, gratifying. Well, what I, did you? Well, I'll, I'll post them. I will. I, I've been that person. I have. I have. I have looked at someone in the face, and they've called me a faggot, and and swiftly grabbed a bottle behind the bar that I was working at and cracked it over a motherfucker's head. I don't go. Huh? I mean, because here's because there's a thing. This is this, this is the thing that's happening. The, the part of the upheaval is it's, it's not even on a mass level. It's on a individual level. This is just my for Kiki. This is just my philosophy. All right. When I stand up for myself whether that be verbally, regular adv advocacy by just saying no, putting up a boundary, or like I've said, cracking a bottle over your head because it's true. Ask anyone that went to Woody McHale's on 14th, 15th, 7th, and 8th. Mm -hmm. um, my goal is not change your mind or your heart or make sure, <laughs> or, 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 or make sure that you, know, you, you, you think about not using the word faggot or nigger ever again. My only goal is to make sure that you know that with Jason Vesey specifically, you're not going to call me a faggot or nigger again. You, you might be able to walk around and talk to 16 other faggots and 16 other niggas, but this one mm -mm. will not be addressed as such. Mm -mm. And that's my only objective. And I guarantee you the next time you see me, you'll think differently and make a different choice. That's mm -hmm. my only goal. As long as I can walk away knowing that your ass knew that you made a mistake and that you caught not the wrong one, but the right one. <laughs> That's all that I care about. And usually, <laughs> and usually when someone encounters the right one, they move through life in general with other people in a different, with a different mindset. They sure the fuck do. They sure I'm a firm, do. I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer in, and I've seen it time and time again in my lifetime and in, in, with other people. I've only seen one instance where it didn't stop because this motherfucker was crazy. But in my experience, a bully 
stops bullying when they get their ass kicked. Good morning, class. One million so, percent. I one hundred percent identify. I was. It was my. Uh, here's a little tale that I used to actually tell. This remember when bullying? I mean, bullying is still a thing. But remember, there was. But it was like an in-person physical sport. Yeah, and also too though. Remember about maybe a little less than ten years ago, mm-hmm. it, it there was an upswing of it again in the consciousness of the zeitgeist. And a lot of young people were getting bullied again. It like came back into fashion. Oh yeah, I did. Um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's mm-hmm. always been there, but for some reason, uh, a whole bunch of little like pre MAGA kids started like just being terrible, right? Something mm-hmm. happened. Something happened. I remember telling my kids because at the time I was a theater educator and a dance educator, and I felt compelled to be like, uh, "Mr. Aaron has a story for you kids," because they were all kind of talking about it before class and you know, and this and that and this and that. And everyone was being so fucking PC. Oh, we'll just ignore them. Fuck that. Nope. So I started getting called a faggot in junior high, which is always fascinating to me because I didn't even know what it meant, but somehow those pent up self-hating queens did know what it meant, mm-hmm. which I found very interesting, right? That's like a very a dark, dark, self-hating thing. Um, and I'll never forget the first day of freshman year. Did you have block schedule growing up? In in high school? Yeah. Not and until, just, not in, they didn't implement block scheduling until my junior year of high school. Copy that. So yeah. And, so then we, af, and, then, and then after that, the entire school became on a block schedule. Yeah, exactly. So anyone who didn't have block schedule, the way it worked is like you would do basically two, basically two hour classes and you would go like one, you'd go odd and even, and then there'd be like a seventh period. Kind of closer to like a college class. Election. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was in a block schedule class, you know, and like something terrible, like math or something. Mm-hmm. And it was like this first day of school. And you know, the first day of school kind of sucked on block schedule because they were still trying to ease us in and the teacher was still Mm -hmm. getting their bearings. So there wasn't much to do. I remember that. So we're all sitting there. The teacher's actually being really cool. We're kind of letting us sort of like have, I'm going to give you this one kids because it's about to get real ugly for two hours of math following this day. So we were kind of being a little more relaxed. So we're doing something. I remember I had my soda because you know, the 32 ounce big gulp was a real thing. I had my damn soda because I was so excited to be able to walk off campus as a freshman, like in high school, you know, and uh, it was fresh off of lunch. And I'll never forget this kid's name was Danny. Isn't it funny how you remember that shit? Oh, Um, yes. I I would say his last name, but he very much is uh, a human being. So this kid, Mm -hmm. Danny, and it's interesting because I knew him since I was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. So we grew up together, yet we were not friends. And I did always find him annoying. And I do believe we got in some arguments as young people. So it's the freshman year and all of a sudden I, I don't know, I'm paying my own damn business and drinking soda and kind of not really talking to anybody, living my best life, thinking I look fly. I get a note because remember kids, we used to have notes uh, (laughs) in class. There was no, there was no phones, children. This was the early nineties. Pass those notes. And all of a sudden there's a note and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you feel like something cool is happening. Someone's like, oh, hey, what's that? That's a manga kaka. And I open it up and it says in pencil, we know your secret. 
oh my god just and I, oh my god that's so dramatic and theat- that's so gay that they did that that's so gay <laughs> that's so gay right like someone being like tell them that we know there's secret this, this friend is <laughs> fucked okay so first of all the the music probably like in the key of like g flat string chord progression that kicked in in my mind psychologically mm-hmm. when that happened Mm-hmm. was a psychological warfare that I never could have possibly imagined mm-hmm. could have been was even worse mm-hmm. than a physical bullying and I looked around and I was so flustered that I knocked my big gulp on the floor and it spilled everywhere and all the kids started pointing and laughing at me and that kid Danny just looks at me and like smiles because he knows it was him and then everyone when I look up is looking at me Oh, so Danny revealed himself to you in that moment. Yeah, of course, because even at the even at the age of like what fourteen, I was a perceptive bitch, man. You're always who you are. Like I, I knew, you I, and I, also I, like I, I the, the little director in me was always looking at the scene around me and being like, "What's mm-hmm. really happening here?" But you know, you don't have the voice at that age, and I I certainly was very very pro- deeply. I was fucking insecure till I was in my thirties. So let's just say mm-hmm. what it is. So that happened. This is a long story, kids. Buckle up. I hope you're all drinking some caffeine. Have a snack. So then that proceeded to turn into being called a faggot. Not all day because I was at a performing arts magnet school. So then I'd be with the performing arts kids and we were just happy and free. Living our life and actually being trained legitimately. And so we were doing our thing. So I had respite. But then I'd go into my core classes And there was always these kids who now I know were on drugs. I didn't know this at the time. I was too naive. But there were the kids who were always like high or tripping on acid. And there was, and they would call me like faggot, faggot, faggot. And I never forget one day we had a substitute teacher, a black woman. And she stood up and she was like, do not call that man out of his name. Like, who do you think you are? And she was See? the first teacher to stand up for me. Because the other teachers would kind of be like, blah, 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 stop it. And then what was interesting was that I started in a weird way defiantly. I don't know if I was saying something, but I remember standing up for myself. And a couple of the other weird kids befriended me because of that. Because I just mm-hmm. wasn't having it. And then I kind of started coming into my own. I remember I would have like my dance shoes on my backpack because, you know, I was in dance class and blah, blah, blah. I didn't take gym. So all this was going on. All this psychological warfare was happening all of freshman year. Like I would never go to the last day of school or I'd leave early because people wanted to like kill me or kick my ass at the end of the school year, which is interesting because in retrospect, I don't feel like I was particularly, I don't want to say effeminate because there's nothing wrong with being effeminate, but I was so kind of shy that i think what it was was that they would see me in the shows and they kind of you know what i mean there was like something going on because i was very recluse i didn't very i didn't talk to anybody in my core classes it might not it might it might you know what this is you know i i I forgot who told me this but um someone told me they're like you're making the assumption that they saw your that they saw your femininity or your effeminate qualities or did they just see your elevation yeah exactly right and i that's exactly what i'm coming to so uh, so then there was a circle in the middle of like the big, I don't know, piazza, mm-hmm. kind of like whatever, the, the quad sort of thing that we all, because we'd have a 20 minute break before, after our first period, they called it a nutrition break. And then we'd go into our other class to lunch. So 
we would all gather all the theater kids on the circle and Kiki and Lala and be our best little dorky selves, just basically full of whimsy. And these little skater kids would sit on the hill that was part of the T wing. That was my, actually the, the theater wing that had the music department, choir and theater and the theater. And they would like call us names and scream at us and blah, blah, blah. But we were like, whatever, fuck you guys. Like we didn't care. So this all goes on all the freshman year. I promise I'm I'm gonna catch up here. It's like it's like a clue where they're like, to make a long story short, too late. So freshman year happens. I'm getting called faggot. Whatever. I'm over it. Okay, fine. Sophomore year. You know, you come in as a sophomore. Do you remember that shit? And you were like, I have made it. I have survived freshman year. I am living my best life. I'm sort of in my skin a little bit. Like I feel that did, dope. That, that did not happen. Because sophomore year was my very first year of high school because ninth grade was junior high for me. In, oh, that's right. That's an East Coast thing. That's right. Yeah. yeah so, the, so, so you know, we so in Cali, it's changed since we went one to six, mm-hmm. seven, eight was separate, and then nine was high school. So one so, for six, one for six to me, then seven through ninth. And then I moved to Colorado and ninth, and their their system was different. So yeah. Oh shit. Okay. So sophomore year, I'm like, I've done it. I've made it. I had yeah. my whole crew of friends. We had sort of become semi-famous because we were in the theater kids. And then people realized, mm-hmm. oh, these kids are kind of like, they have something. Um, you know, we'd been doing our thing. People knew us. Also, I was in shows and people thought I was funny. So then all right. of a sudden I had a little bit of cachet. And anyway, so I felt like, you know, I felt cute. So then I'm in my little outfit. I don't know what it was, but I felt super, super fucking cute. My mom and I like really picked it out. And um, so we're all kikiing in the circle in the piazza as it were (laughs) and living their lives just like oh my you know like literally the beginning of like high school musical like seriously all right and all of a sudden i feel a rock the size of my 15 year old fist okay hit the back of my ear and then I instantly felt it rip and it started bleeding. Like it didn't rip open, but you know, like a, like a cut uh-huh. was a fucking rock. And with the pulsive of that rock hitting me of the impact, a skinny little white skater kid screams faggot. My head started pounding. I saw red and I swear to God in slow motion, I reached down, I grabbed that rock, and this wasn't close, but uh-huh. I did play baseball as a kid, so I guess I had a little bit of that in me. I chucked that rock back. It slammed and hit that kid in the head, and I mm-hmm. screamed at the top of my lungs in front of all the school, who's a faggot now? Amen. No one, none of the teachers, None of the people who were sort of like, what do they call them? The fucking parole people? No, I mean, not the parole oh, people. Oh, yeah. Like, the, like, monitors, I, I the monitors. The monitors. Yeah. None of the monitors. I remember seeing all the monitors who were all people of color, by the way, just went, mm-hmm. mm. They like, literally, I watched them all smirk and like look down yeah. and act like they didn't see it because they were like, good for you, kid. And you know what? Those, those motherfuckers never called me faggot again. And not, not for the rest of the year. So I told a more truncated, kinder version of that to my kids with the moral being, when someone throws a rock at you, throw the rock back. Mm-hmm. Because it is bullshit. That's the only way people learn. I'm not advocating for violence. I'm underlining what you had to say about your story that 
you you picked the right one. That 15 year old faggot kid that day was like, no, no, yeah, this will not this be is, my life. Absolutely is, not. There's there's a couple of things that happen with 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 that that are important. One, again, that kid, that skater kid, learned a valuable lesson. It might not have been about humanity in general, but it was about one human being. I'm not going through rocks at Aaron Salazar ever again. And Come that's on. just as important, right? Yes. So you learn something new every day. That day he learned something. Second of all, you were talking about back about 10 years ago, maybe even with the It, it, it Gets Better movement, whatever, which I thought oh, was important. And I, and, and I, I really think truly that was coinciding, yeah. It was, yes. And with the It Gets Better movement, and it totally makes sense, and I, and I get that. Um, it was also, you know, bullying has morphed into cyber and this, a, a different kind of warfare, which Horror. they don't understand, Horror. you know? But I understand why it's rough for these kids. I do firmly believe, though, that every human being, if they're lucky, I want to say lucky, one of the experiences that can make you a more well-rounded human being is to have been gotten your ass kicked, per se, Mm -hmm. and to have returned the favor to somebody else. And I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) I, I truly believe that and I wasn't, it wasn't natural for me to, 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 to fight. I don't consider myself a natural fighter. Same. Even when I'm cussing someone out, I still have the lump in my throat. It's just that y'all Same. can't see it. Same. You know, but, you know, I remember thinking, I was kind of like, fuck, it gets better, man. It needs to be more like, I wish a motherfucker would. And a lot of these queer kids out here, and all these other kids out here, I really wish that there was some sort of camp where they, where was a camp where it was about like confidence building. And and even like talking like maybe a couple of days where the, where your parents could come in right, and as a family you could deal with their queerness or their hardness or whatever that means, and then the rest of the camp is just self defense because when you know you can let someone have it physically and defend yourself, you walk through life with your health held a little bit more high because they don't have to know that you're about to get their ass handed to them, they don't have to know that they're going to get their ass whooped, and this is, this is the thing that like. I am very vocal about my love for Michelle Obama. Like, if, mm. if the goddess person in charge of the universe came down from the heavens and said, you must choose between Michelle and Barack, I'd be like, without a question, I'd be like, you save a Michelle. Barack, you gotta go. <laughs> and I love Barack Obama, but like, Michelle's gotta stay. But there's only one thing that I, Michelle and I are never going to agree on, and I'm gonna tell that to her face whenever I meet her, praise God. This when they go low, we go high shit, fuck that. Never believed in it. Turning the other cheek, no. Instead of, why don't they start high to begin with? Mm. Don't tell me, because he's thinking, I have no problems going down to the gutter to remind you about yourself and then going back up to my high place. I can do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. I promise you. You know? So my thing is, if someone calls me a faggot and Jason B.C. turns around and cracks a bottle over their head, regardless of whether that's illegal or not, (laughs) if i turn around and crack a bottle over your head and someone says to me jason violence is never the answer don't talk to me talk to the person who said faggot first yeah don't don't it's the same it's the same idea as kind of it's like why are we teaching girls how to teaching girls how to not care rape as opposed to teaching boys how to not rape girls hello like so 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 i'm i if i if i ever have kids it's not going to be some sort of, it'll be a pick and choose your battles house. Yes. But it will not be a turn the other cheek. Go When they go low, you go high. No, when they go low, put your foot up their motherfucking ass so they remind themselves to stay in your lane. 
How about that? And you do it the first time. Because you don't do it the first time, they're going to do it again. My parents had a rule in an effort to get their little passive son. The first time someone messes with you, you tell them to stop. The second time, you go and tell the teacher, which because of a lot of, a lot of variables, it's teachers are not always the best at standing up for the kids. The mm. third time, you have our full authority to take your fist and punch them wherever you see fit. <laughs> wherever you see fit. And on top of that, and on top of that, if you don't feel comfortable hitting them, you have full our full permission. If they call you a name that's hurtful, you can say whatever you want. And I took that to heart. I took that to heart. I was, in, I was 16 years old. Someone called me a faggot. I asked him to stop. He called me a faggot again. And I looked at his mom. I looked at him right in his face. His mom was dying of cancer at the time. I looked at his mom and looked at him in his face and said, that's why your mom's leaving your ass. Because you ain't shit. That's why your mom's dying. And, I, and, and, and honestly, Aaron, honestly, Aaron, I knew that cut deep with him. I was too young to realize that that's probably where his hurt was coming from. Yes, 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 yes. That's also not my problem. No, no. <laughs> and, at the end, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, your mom's dying. You call me a faggot. You're you're opening yourself up. Just in terms of battling, you're opening yourself. You're making it too easy. And to this day, I will never apologize to him ever until he apologizes to me first. Because once you call me a faggot, I can say whatever I want I... to you. Because because the thing is, I don't really mean that your mom is. I don't care. My main goal is to make you feel what you just did to me. And to me, that is that is. Part of the course. It's better than me whooping your ass. Mm-hmm. So if you say something to me, be careful because you might you might run across someone who has a sharper tongue who's crazier than you. And, and a lot and a lot and a lot of these others out here, these black folks, these brown folks, these these queer people, the, uh, you know, uh, the, the, these fat folks. We we got time now. We don't care anymore. So mm-hmm. be careful what you say because you might get your feelings and your ass hurt. Exactly, which is leading to that notion of what you were saying about microaggressions. And yeah. I feel like one thing I've noticed is that the art of so many people knowing that they can't say certain things to someone's face is why they're typing yeah. that shit online. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love, I cha- I would, mm, I, I would love some motherfuckers who think they can type some bullshit to say it to my fucking face. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, they've had the opportunity and they have not. Because they know. That's even more dangerous for someone like that because with typing and things, everyone has time to formulate an even fiercer response. Like you're still opening yourself up to being annihilated in a, verb, in a verbal battle. If someone has, like Lily, you say, if you say something shady to me, I can, I can think of, I can sit on it and ruminate for a week and come back to it and still get your ass together. And have Grammarly tell you that you're correct. Grammarly to me and take snapshots and send it to everybody in case you decide to delete it. <laughs> okay, everyone, this is a spicy <laughs> ass episode. That's On that good. note, we're going to take one of our little meditative breaks. If you haven't experienced them, he- here it comes. All right, enjoy. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Aaron Salazar, your host and producer of this podcast. I hope that you're enjoying it so far. So there's a lot happening in the world right now. And amongst this chaos, it's really important that we take moments to make sure that we feel centered. So for the first few episodes of this new experience, 
I'd like us all to take a moment to breathe and recalibrate. How does that sound? Good. All right. So, this is our meditation break. Get comfortable wherever you're at. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. And let it out. Another breath in. And let it out. All right. Now just breathe normally. Just remember, you are perfect, and you are loved. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, everyone, and we're back. I hope you got a little bit of solace there. Uh, Jason VC, I can't take it. Okay, last episode, not really. It's never really the end. Um, So, Jason... has brought to my attention he has some thoughts about this you know right now there's a lot of are these called anachronisms or what are they no they're called no not anachronisms they're called uh anagrams right no no what is it called yeah so there's a lot of acronyms going around right now and one of them is obviously the bipoc or as i just call it out b-i-p-o-c um, because whenever I think bi, I think of gender, but I mean, I think of not gender. Whenever I think of bi, Sexually. I think of sexuality. So to take my brain out of that, I, I tend to say BIPOC. Um, I will start the conversation by saying, I certainly understand the need. I certainly understand someone wanting to make sure there's an umbrella there to include everyone. Absolutely. But I do think that in particular in our industry, now that, with casting right Mm -hmm. but i do think that it is a very nuanced and complicated category Mm -hmm. what do you think jason i think that (laughs) um i am not i i i I don't identify as bipoc i think it is context in the sense that if we're having or talking about an issue or acknowledging a number of people at the same time who are in a room or space 
who are present for a moment or in reference to an issue that is affecting all of those people, then BIPOC is appropriate. If you're referring to an individual or a certain group of people under that umbrella of BIPOC, don't fucking come at me with no fucking BIPOC. You, you say who you're talking about and you respect who you're talking about. Black folks in the street dying at the hands of police unnecessarily is not a BIPOC issue. That's mm. a black folks issue. There are issues that are very specific to the Latin community. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are issues, you know, when, when the coronavirus happened and there was all this, all this racism, like, you know, against um, Asian folks, don't say that's a BIPOC issue. No. That's an issue for our Asian brothers and sisters. So don't, don't in your effort to include or encompass, let that lead you towards erasure. And for me, I will be very quick if you refer to Jason Vesey as being BIPOC. Don't, don't you do that. Don't you do that. Period. Because... BIPOC is very easy, and I understand it. And, 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 and you know, acronyms are fun. You know, in this day and age, where people were buzz, we're, we're latching on and getting really into buzzwords. It's causing people to lose specificity and nuance. And what happens is that things start getting co-opted, mm-hmm. and things don't get specific. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be honest with you, one of the main things that made me be like, Ugh, when I read the WCU thing, was when it said BIPOC. I'm kind of like, okay. I'm not anti that. I just don't know how we got from black folks dying in the streets to this. So automatically, that made me shut down a little bit from 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 the the, the mantra. You know, um, that is not me saying that it's that we can't have a conversation about. I mean, yes, this is for white theater, but the connection between what was happening in the world. On the, in the streets of and in the streets of America, specifically with Black people, which seems to have been the impetus in the last two months for this movement in theater, even though it's been a long time coming, that uh-huh. seems to be one of the sparks. Uh huh. That transition didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. I understand what's happening, but that to me is when you're dealing with people who need to who need to learn and people who we're trying to get information to, which means people in power, which usually means white folks, Mm -hmm. they are more than capable of being able to specify about what they're talking about. Because what happens is then when you you lump all of us together, things get lost in the shuffle. There are things that we can fight together with as BIPOC, and then everyone also needs to get, get with their own teams and also advocate for themselves. I don't have any interest in advocating for BIPOC people. I have an interest as a Black person advocating for my friend Aaron Salazar, who is um, half Mexican and half Native American, advocating specifically for his tribe. Well, I can also advocate for that. I'm not going to do anything general because that could fuck up your shit. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I hear that. When the, t- when the time comes for your shit to be on in the spotlight. Yes. Yes. And I think it goes back to that acronym being used as an umbrella yes. you know, it was ostensibly in that manifesto it was being used to at least this is how i took it to underline that basically anyone that's not white or white passing enough 
mm-hmm. or comfortably ethnic for you <laughs> is is not being served by Mm-mm. the theater community and there's receipts to back it up but i do agree yeah. the pivot off of some really fucking s- real shit happening in the mm-hmm. world is a bit conflicting yes on a more personal note for me <laughs> bipoc is just also and it's it just still provides another and an easy out for people to not be able to have to say the word black because people are real scared about saying the word black yes real tight and tense about yes. saying the word black yes. you know um i think it's so interesting how people like even when and i feel comfortable saying this because i've said this to my friends who are in hamilton um, when Lin Manuel made the statement after he was getting pressure from his own employees, cast members of Hamilton about Hamilton saying something about what was going on with you know standing by with with you know black folks dying in the street, and they, he made his statement and he said everything that he was supposed to say, and then I thought it was genuine and I believed it, and it was great. I really do. I was like, okay, Lin. Yeah. The one thing that bothered me, he kept saying, "We stand by our black and brown employees, cast members." people that's fine but right now right now why can't you just say black because when it was women's history when it was when it was women's history month and all that stuff y'all said we stand by your female our, our women employees right just keep the same specificity and keep that same energy because it's not that brown people don't experience this but right now yes the epidemic is negroes dry, dying in the street so why can't you say black I'm gonna give Disney some credit. Now Disney, mm. so if this if this was Black Lives Matter, right? Disney was they just they went like this, right? So <laughs> so when they made they did. They I made, wish you could see it. Made, I wish you could see when, it. When they made their statement, they didn't say Black Lives Matter. They didn't because they they know where their bread where their where their bread is butter. Oh right? please! What they did though is in their in their statement they say we stand by our black castmates our black house our house managers our black ushers our black so all you saw was the word black like 17 times which is almost i mean not even almost which is that is some brilliant ass oh we'll say yes. it over and yeah over we'll say it over and over again. again there was something about people be, and, and 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 because just focusing and saying the word black is a pro- I mean, think about it this way too. Think about how many times you've, whether it's good intentioned or not, you've seen someone say, hey, oh yeah, yeah, Aaron, I was talking to this guy, you know, he was a black guy, he was a black guy, he was a black guy. I mean, where is the lie? A what? I mean, where is the lie? You know, black is not a slur. Um, so, 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 so where, so where, so to me, when I see when I see BIPOC, I just see it being more comfortable for people to not really specify on black issues. And that's on a that's on a selfish level. No, and that actually like, leads right. me to something that's really bugged me. Now listen, without question, I'm gonna focus just on our community because mm-hmm. because after all, from the point of view of people in the uh, yeah. what I find fascinating, tying into what you're saying. The way in New York City or most major metropolises, and not even, you'll go, you'll pass by just a random restaurant that has nothing to do with a gay community, anything at all. 
and they'll have a little rainbow mm-hmm. at the entrance of the door. Mm-hmm. There's something in you as a gay person that goes, oh, I'm safe here. And if any shit went down, they've got me. Like, mm-hmm. this this means that we're good. Mm-hmm. And what I'm so fucking disgusted by mm-hmm. is people in our community who have 16K plus followers, right? Mm-hmm. And have not said the fucking words. Yeah. There's all this tiptoeing around it and other little ways. So we united with my fucking blah, blah, blah. And it's exactly what you said. That's real cute. But we are not being killed in the streets. The fear of you losing some punk ass people who you shouldn't mm-hmm. be associated with anyway is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Say yeah. the fucking words. Just say the words. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying we don't know what people are doing behind closed doors because that's more important. It is more important that you are having the conversations behind the scenes. It is more important that you are doing things when no one's watching. But just as the entrance to the doorway to let a motherfucker know where you stand, you need to say the words. And I just don't Mm -hmm. understand why it's so difficult. And we're deep in. And listen, everyone's being forgiving. You could post something today. You could post a picture of cotton candy and just be like, Black Lives Matter. Glad you're paying attention. And Mm -hmm. no one's going to tell you, oh, you're too late or blah, blah, blah. Because this isn't a trend, right? Right. So... I'm even more flabbergasted that there are so many people in our community who won't. Yeah. At this point for me, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of different things. I'm seeing enough variations of, of allyship where I can, I can figure out what's what you're talking about and what, because I feel like I have a lot of people in my life that are, are showing their work. Which yes. I don't think is necessary, but they're showing their work. Yeah, one hundred percent. Faking it till you're making it. Faking it till you make it. Meaning, like it's not that they don't believe it, but you know, I think they're trying to get in the practice of. Yes. Allyship, but but seeing people who specifically are are high visible, high level, very popular people yes. on social media in our community, and and not all of them are white. Yes. Um. Not all of them are white. Um. Not even able to just put up a permanent hashtag in your damn bio and, and Instagram, I'm kind of like, to me, at this point, based off of the people that I've been dialoguing with for the past four years, I have to make the assumption that whatever is your, that's holding you, whether it's because you don't want to say the wrong thing. I think it's fear. Maybe, or fear, or maybe you just don't think the Black Lives Matter. Damn. Um, at this point, whatever your fear is, it's 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 enough for me to be like, well, you know what? I'm up to you. You come from callbacks, man. Because you come from callbacks. Because at this point, at this point, even just putting the simple Black Lives Matter somewhere or consistently. I mean, here's the thing: even just to make it easier on yourself, just put it somewhere that's permanent, where people just every time they go to your page, they know exactly where you stand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Look at these Gen Z TikTokers who, who are talking about fucking like how to make gluten-free bread. And the first thing you see is Black Lives Matter, gluten-free bread. Yeah, it's super easy. And here's, here's <laughs> the thing. At this point, there's, a lot, there's a lot of that that's performative. There's a lot of that that's just yes. very, them just being savvy. I don't really care. Yes. I don't really care. You know, you, at, least, I, they, at, least they're do, at least they're doing something. But to not see it with very visible 
multiple Tony Award nominated or Tony winning or people who are always booked in every damn show to see them to see them not have any opinion, you know. And again, there's no way to not to, there's no way to know what, what they're doing they're, in the back end. But 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 if I but if, but if I can see you consistently being savvy in terms of the content, which is everyone's your it's your right, it's your page, that's fine. It's just that I have made an assessment. Yes. And it's interesting because, and exactly, to be clear, guys, we are talking about, you know, everyone always wants to attack the little people, right? The little people. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, that, that, that really, the truth is Instagram is monopoly money. Social media is monopoly money. Right. Tragically, it does lead to conversion, which is a whole other conversation we'll have one day. But... We're not talking about like people like like all of most of us have like a thousand people, right? Which is only in the world, right. only in this world, do we think a thousand is nothing. We're talking like the verified bitches and everyone who's like 16, 20, 30, 40, 50,000, right? Um, where it is, it's startling. Now, that, that being said, like you said, it doesn't even matter if it's performative because, in a way, it is a very like fuck you to anyone who would disagree and it's letting mm -hmm. people know when they enter the door that this is where my head's at and so here's what will not happen i even mm -hmm. noticed it in my tiny ass little feed i would look you know i look at my insights because i'm a fucking producer and i'm just trying to still figure out algorithms and shit now that the pandemic's happened because that's how we promote right we, we all know this mm -hmm. and i noticed the second i post anything that's even like sort of I instantly lose followers that day and I'll go back and be like, Oh, I lost followers this day. Okay. I don't really care. Um, yeah. and I'll go back to the posts and I'm like, mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting that it had something to do with civil rights. <laughs> interesting right. that it would be something that was silly and just be like black lives matter. And mm -hmm. like, there's also, there's also seven there's people also stop just, following, you know, which is great because I'm like, well then don't follow. This is work. This <sighs> stuff that we're trying to do is work. Right. And, I wish people could understand people who are feeling resistant to it or don't know how to start or whatever. I think there's this um, idea that you have to feel automatically emboldened or impassioned about it. And look at it like working out a new regime or a new diet. It might not feel like you're doing that much, but I think there's a lot of people who are kind of just like, well, what is posting Black Lives Matter? I mean, I can believe it, but like, what else is that going to do? I, I don't think it's about that. I think it's, it's about stating, putting a line in the sand. Yes. And it being the start of something. Because here's the thing, just by putting Black Lives Matter on your feed consistently or permanently, how you deal with any backlash or or lack, lack of followership because of that, how you deal with that is your first indication of where you're at on the allyship train. Yep. If losing followers is something you're concerned about by putting Black Lives Matter, then you are definitely someone who needs to put Black Lives Matter on your, on your bio because you are the person that has an issue with Black Lives Matter. If this time period where really all of our careers are on pause, mm -hmm. essentially. If you were if you were still so wrapped up in if you if you say that you care about the validity of the existence of the lives of people who are black, if you were scared that, that saying that will lose you followers in a time period where ain't nobody got no motherfucking jobs. Mm. 
then the call is coming from inside your house <laughs> and you're whack for the time being. You are whack. If you are that person and you can't get past that, you are farther off than we motherfucking thought. <laughs> Especially if you're someone who is verified. If you worried about, well, if you, if you got over 16,000 followers and you're upwards in the double digits and you worried about losing 50, you got a problem. Yes. You got a problem. Yes. Truly. Yes. Truly. You know, you know, that means you're established. And if casting thinks that because you lost 50, 50 followers because you, because, you know, you posted Black Lives Matter, you know, then great. Casting ain't shit. But since you're already established and since you're already careers on, your career's already here, I seriously don't that you're not going to be the next revival of music, man, because someone, because 50 people stopped following you because you said Black Lives Matter. Like, it's not happening. So, like, if that's a concern of yours, then I got questions about you. Well, actually, I don't have any questions. I'm just not fucking with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, let's just end it with that. Yes. I mean, there, there's. I mean, here's the here's the thing. There are so many. There are so many. I guess my point is there was. There's no right. There's no one way to be an ally. There are many different avenues yes. that are very active and very effective. But if you can't start there if you can't say the word black if you can't say black lives matter then I, I i don't know what the fuck to do with you except to cast you to the side if i'm gonna be honest with you if you if you can't say the word black or say black lives matter and understand why that is and not be scared to then truly my next response would be a question and that question would be well then what what use are you to any of us Mm. What use are you to any of us? F f uh, theater aside, as human beings, theater what aside, can, what what can you do? <laughs> like, what are you good? What, like, like you know, so like that. Like, I use this. Always use this quote from Clueless. Dion. What am I going to do with you now? What am I going to tell my? What am I going to tell my grandchildren? <laughs> if that task is too daunting for you, I don't know if you're going to make it in general. Yeah. yeah. Because there is a, we are in a pivotal time in history. Yes. A pivotal time thing. in history. A pivotal time in history where choices are going to have to be made. Yeah. And passivity, is that a word? Passivity? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Passivity is not an option, which it should be said, there are many ways to protest. And as artists, mm -hmm. make art. Yes. Make art. Now, listen, while you're making the art, I have a little bit of advice to give everybody because it's something I've been talking about as a, with a new project I'm working on. And I've talked to you about this too, Jason. Uh -huh. I urge everyone, well-meaning, <laughs> I was just going to, just to bring it back around, B-I-P-O-C community. <laughs> and, 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 and all the allies to everyone. I suggest strongly, do not commodify people's death for your art. There are ways to express yourself where you are not directly commodifying people's grief. As artists, it is our job to absorb and then to ruminate. And then create something that opens up the eyes and ears of an audience to allow them to absorb something. And without them even realizing it, 
oh my god this was a lesson on this august wilson's jitney is just a bunch yeah. of fucking guys talking in a fucking bus station right if you just look at it logistically on paper you're like okay but the collectiveness of what happens from those very human conversations mm -hmm. is so much more than the sum of its parts and before you know it by the end of that play something has happened yeah something has happened yeah. let's use some white stuff let's talk about eugene o'neill long day's yeah. journey tonight is a bunch of drunk ass people on stage dealing with alcoholism but by the end of that show, a decade later, at the end of the play, 17 <laughs> fucking years with Jessica Lang never turning down stage. I'll never understand. I love her, but I was furious. I'm like, why didn't no one just tell her? She's a brilliant. Turn down stage, Jessica. I in the back of that wig was saw lit. the show. Saw the show when I was 37. Listen, walked out 38. Who, whoever, whoever, <laughs> whoever did a wig on that show roundabout. Congratulations, because that's all I got to watch. It was amazing. But by the end of that show, there are a, a palace of issues that we've dealt with. Yeah. Okay? To commodify on things that are happening right now that are so on the nose is lazy. And I strongly suggest that people flex. Don't let your fear of economic disaster, which we're all in right now, make you try mm -hmm. to benefit off of getting like the whopping 500 bucks you were going to make off that show anyway independently and really start to ruminate and create something that has some fucking metaphor and symbolism so that we can actually digest it. We're already traumatized, okay? So let's do something with this art and make it something beautiful. And you and don't have to, you don't, you don't also have to, and the thing is that like, that doesn't have to be a solo project. Like you mm. might be asking yourself, well, how do I know if I'm commodifying? That's when you start letting people read your shit. Start having conversations yes. with people, like get some opinions so you can get some other some insight by way of other by way of ice other eyesight besides your own to figure that out like that's the only way that you're going to figure out if you're if because it might not be you might not think that you are yes you know it's very it's weird, especially now when we're everyone everyone's in such their, their little bubbles yes you know trying to figure out how you're going to protest let alone protest through your art can be a daunting thing you know here's that wheel i wish there was a title for that wheel. have you seen that wheel that breaks down i think it's like the seven or eight different types of positions that make a protest or a uprising really effective like there's nurturers no. there's yeah there's there's like the nurturers there's the dreamers or the innovators and there's the the people that are what what do they call uh not the destroyers but the ones that go in you know everyone has has writers a position for everybody essentially essentially yeah Everyone has some sort of, there's a position for everybody that kind of suits their, how, they, how they're going to be the most effective, that also works with their natural sensibilities. There are some people who would love to be in the streets protesting, but they just can't. It's just not their ministry. Like, they get scared. Kind of, and that's real. That is real. There are, that's that's a real thing. James Baldwin talked about, he's like, I wasn't in Selma. I wasn't at these things. He's like, I had to be a witness and I had to move mm -hmm. freely amongst people. And I'm but not, James, I'm not, I'm not, know, that's not, that's no doubt to him, but he chose to protest in a different way as well. Well, like, like, I'm not going to say I'm similar to James Baldwin in the sense that like, like I could, cause I can definitely get in these streets. Um, uh, but I'm also kind of just like, oop, tear gas, gotta go. See y'all there, you know, yeah. you know, um, but I am the kind of person, there are some people who, who feel more powerful when they're in a group in the streets yeah. yelling and trying to get, and have got a bullhorn. I am more comfortable being like, all right, now that we're at the building, 
I'm gonna go into this. I'm gonna go into this office and talk to this man real quick. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's one of my positions. Like I'm great at like one-on-one conversation. I'm great at like taking that same fire and bringing it to. I'm. I'm you know, if you bringing if it you to the table. Like you, yeah, bringing it to the table or advocating for somebody else. You yes. know, like. And, you know, then, then there are people who are kind of like, let me go ahead and make these snacks and get this water for these people in these streets and be on the sidelines. And you're like, everyone has something that they can do. Yes. So I think that there's there's not enough people figuring out who they are in context of a battle, if, yes. if that makes sense. And I think that you, everyone should start doing more work about how they do that. And a lot of artists will find that the perfect avenue for them to be effective in the fight and the struggle is through their art. Yes. And But I do feel there's a lot of artists who do feel like if they use their art, it will come off as them commodifying. It will come off as performative. It will come off as it being me, 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 me. I think that there's a lot of artists who, who would love to do that, but they might feel subconscious that it'll be, it'll be read the wrong way. Yes. I saw something recently, though, This just as an example. He did the polka dot. Douglas Lyons. Douglas Lyons. There's no reason to look it up. The polka dot girl? Yes. The polka dots, yes. The polka dot girl. The polka dots. No, the polka dots. That's the title of it. That's Douglas Lyons. Yeah, so Douglas Lyons wrote that piece for kids that teaches them about racism. Mm -hmm. Using Mm -hmm. literally people who have polka dot skin Mm -hmm. or not polka dot skin. Yeah literally using a metaphor that was a way to not commodify an entire people's grief and pain and to teach a wider audience mm-hmm. a lesson listen we're all going to have some hopefully very charged work that's going to be coming yeah. out i certainly know i do i certainly know a lot of people i know are working on it and everyone has some very charged work. And also, it should be charged. And I also would like to say this too, to white creators, your work should be charged. You are allowed to make politically charged work with the right team, I think. Mm-hmm. But just make sure, my thought is just make sure it's not the commodification of a certain kind of grief. That's, that's all I have to say about that. I think that's amazing. Um, Jason. Aaron. Now it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> to all our faggotry. No, 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 I can't get All our faggotry. J A S O N V C. Oh my God, I can't take it. It's too much. I'm hopping That's on a bike a with you. Thing. He's here in the city, and I'm like, we're gonna get on city bike and be socially distant and like. Yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta tell me that because you'll be that will be my first city bike experience. Oh my god, it's the best. Honestly, guys, I'm not, I, I'm not gonna promote them because I'm not getting money for that shit. But they are minivans. But you realize how necessary they are in the city, and there's a whole bunch of bike lanes. It is some joyful madness. So with that, everyone, please like. This has been a really intense uh, episode, and it's been such a gift to have Jason. But like the one thing with Jason that I'm so I feel so gifted to like have gotten to know him even more through this process is the one thing that this man has is joy and that joy is infectious and joy is a protest. Joy is advocacy. Joy infuriates people who want nothing more than to keep you down. And I hope that 
all of you are getting that joy in your life. And I hope you've had joy from listening to this brilliant, brilliant man. And if this is your first episode, go back and listen. Jason VC, I can't take it. You know you're going to end up back on here again. Let's just let's just, gonna, let's just say it. I'm going to go back on here. You know it's going to happen. I got to say, you know, uh, who knew that from a few years ago when uh, Fancy this Tree was climbing with drinks called the Fancy Tree, <laughs> that I would end up just like acquiring such a great, new, beautiful presence in my life that is actually, like I said it before, that is someone who's my age. My that I can talk age. <laughs> it's just been a pure delight, and I'm and I'm so excited for like the adventure of our of our fun new friendship that's going to happen off the air, um, and all that. And I look forward to coming back, and I look forward to seeing how this podcast flies in general with all the other guests that are coming. So thank oh you very God. much. This has been such a great experience for me. Thank you so much. I I can't take it. It's not like we're not going to talk. Yeah, everyone. So. Please, I would urge everyone to tune in and really listen to this new format we're trying with getting these wonderful guests, having Jason be such a gift of our first guest for an entire month. And please hook it up, subscribe, like, do all the stuff. You know what to do. Uh, in the meantime, everyone, please find some joy and be healthy, be actionable, and most importantly, be authentic. Much love. For Fuck's Sake Podcast is brought to you by Alvarez Kiko Salazar Productions, hosted and produced by Aaron Salazar. Original music by Manuel Paleo and Giancarlo Bonfanti. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at 4FS underscore podcast and on Twitter and Facebook at 4FS Podcast. Thanks so much. Much love.